0: Um, I'm just going to ask Anna to come up and share in um, I pointed out in our last meeting that, that I wasn't going to introduce her in the way that she introduced her husband because um, well, I said partly I'm a little bit scared of her, which every person should be just a tiny bit. But actually, I thought there's not really anything negative I could say. Then she reminded me in the preach that she doesn't like sourdough. So I just want to give you a few seconds to get over that because it really does offend me. Um, and, and ask Anna to come and share. morning i just actually remembered that i need someone to hook it on this time which is a step up isn't it uh good morning i'm anna like uh, jen said i'm married to Sai. he's the pastor here and we've got four children elizabeth james josiah and samuel and uh, i thought because it's mothering sunday and also because i've been homes well we've been homeschooling on and off for a year haven't we it's been torturous um my children really begged me not to embarrass them but I thought you know it's been a long year I think it's time to get a bit of a uh, revenge really for the year so kids sit safely it's not going to be too embarrassing. Only a few photos and videos you're all right So I thought I'd actually talk about my mothering fails because there has been so many. I thought we'd start with that. Actually, our most recent one was that one of our children was uh, answering Simon back fantastically, just constantly answering him back. Um, And so I said to said said child, stop answering me back. And the said child turned around to him and said, I am not answering you back. I am correcting you. And uh, he soon discovered that being correcting your parents' results in rather a painful punishment. And um, I'd love to say now he never answers back, but that would just be such a lie. He does. Um, So that was a bit of a fail. And then there should be a photo that comes up now. This is my boys, and this was a real mothering fail. I had tried to have a mothering success, and as they seem to happen, it always fails, doesn't it? So I had thought, I'm going to clean the kitchen floor before the school run. I'm going to put the boys outside the back door and the pushchair and all the shoes, and we're all going to be ready, and I'm going to mop the floor, lock the back door, and then we're going to go to school, and the floor will have time to dry, and I'd even put wet wipes on the push chair so that they looked clean, because that's what you're supposed to do when you take your children to school, is they're supposed to look clean, even if they've spent the whole day covered in food, that part of the day they have to be clean. And I came out of the back door feeling like I'd really achieved. And actually I didn't I didn't find this. I actually found Sam in that plant pot with the boys watering him with a watering can. And I said to them, Mum, what are you doing? And they just looked at me and said, well, we've planted Sam and we're just watering him to see if we can uh, make him grow. And I was like, and do we think this is a good idea? To it's James replies, oh no mum, we tried to dig up the grass but it wouldn't come up so we had to go in the pot. I was like, oh! So, And there's also the time where Josiah and Sam coloured each other in from head to toe with purple, green and blue washable creolas. By that point we'd realised that washable pens was the only thing to allow in your home. And so as I wiped them, again it was before school run, as I wiped them to take them to school run they just sort of looked like I'd beaten them repeatedly on their face. And there's a time when um, one of our children pooed in a a very posh Winchester garage car park. There was also a time when we lost Josiah three times in the space of three months and actually got to the point where we just lost him so much we had to put him in bright colours and that's just a few of the many many stories of the parenting fails we have had. So this morning you can just sit back knowing that actually you will be doing a much better job of parenting your children than we are doing and whenever your kids whine at you you can remind them that they could actually have us as their parents and their life would be a lot worse so if you're ready um, we're going to read Psalm 127 and we're looking at building the house this morning so it says this unless the Lord builds the house those who build it labor in vain unless the Lord watches over the city the watchman stays awake in vain it is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest eating the breads of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Behold, children are a heritage from the Lord, the fruit of the womb, a reward. Like arrows in the hand of a warrior are the children of one's youth. Blessed is the man who fills his quiver with them, who shall not be put to shame when he speaks with his enemies in the gate. And today we're just going to look at two really simple points. One, who is building your house? And when we're talking about your house, the Bible's referring to your life and your family. And secondly, how do we direct arrows, our children and new believers in the right direction? So firstly, who is building your house? Or maybe more correctly, if you're a believer today, then whom are you allowing to build your house? The Bible actually only gives us two choices. It's either that we are building our house or that God is building our house. The good news or the gospel of Jesus is a message of love and grace, a message of the kindness of God. And the Bible is the Jesus storybook. It's the book that tells us how God has rescued us. You see, when sin, that's wrongdoing, entered the beautiful worlds God had created, that happened because Adam and Eve, with the free will that God had given them, decided that they could be equal to God. They basically decided that they could decide what was right and wrong. Essentially, they decided that they could build their life much better than God had told them to. And at this point, sin and death, which is that eternal separation from God, entered into this perfect world. And it seemed completely hopeless because people can't stop doing what is wrong. I don't know if you've noticed that about yourself, that even when you try to do things and stop doing them that you know are wrong, you still can't stop yourself from doing them. You still can't stop yourself from saying that horrible thing or from thinking that horrible thing. And afterwards you think, I wish I didn't do that, but you still do. And God, the perfect holy God, he could never dwell or be with sin. And so we were separated from God's And here on earth, you can see, can't you, that all through time, mankind has tried to get rid of that gap between us and God. They've tried to atone for the guilt that we all feel when we do things that are wrong. But the Bible tells us the cost of sin is death. It's eternal separation from God, and no person has ever overcome death. But because God so loved us, He sent His Son Jesus, who is God Himself, to live the perfect life that we couldn't, never separated from God the Father, because He was perfect and he chose to pay for our wrongdoing on the cross he chose to be separated from god the father to pay the price in our place to be the atonement for our sin he paid the price and if you've ever wondered why do christians get so excited about easter well it's because when jesus rose again it showed that he is victorious over death. Death couldn't hold him. And when we choose to believe in him, then we are not helped by death anymore. Our bodies might die, but we will go to live with God forever and ever. 1 Peter, 1 Peter two twenty four puts it really clearly. It says, Jesus himself bore our sins in his body on the cross. That we might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, you have been healed. Actually, if you're a believer today, you can put your name in there. It says Jesus himself bore Anna's sins in his body on the cross, that Anna might die to sin and live to righteousness. By his wounds, Anna has been healed. That's the amazing truth of the gospel. That when we choose to give our life to Jesus, which just involves actually saying, Jesus, thank you that you died for me. I'm so sorry that I did all those things that you had to pay for on the cross. And then we choose to make Jesus the person who builds our life. Actually, the Bible says that the old dies and that we're born again as a new creation. That's where the phrase being born again refers to. In 2 Corinthians 5, we're actually told that the old has gone and the new has come and that we're born again as a new creation. And then as believers, we get the joy and the privilege of living our lives for Jesus. With him as the king of it, we lay down the control of our life. As a new creation, God is transforming us. He's changing us. We work with the Holy Spirit to become more and more like Jesus. This good news of Jesus should infiltrate every area of our life. It's not just a Sunday thing, it's every area of our life. As we allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, every area of our life is affected and changed. When God returns or when we die, we will be asked, how did you build your life? And how we built our life, it's going to be shown. And the Bible talks about being tested by fire. So let's read together 3 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians 3, sorry, made up a whole new book then. 1 Corinthians 3, verses 12 to 14, it says this. Now, if anyone builds of the foundation, and before it's saying the foundation is Jesus, with gold, silver, precious stones, wood, hay straw, each one's work will become clear. For the day, the judgment day, will show it because it will be revealed by fire. And the fire will test what sort of work each one has done. If the work that anyone has built on the foundation survives, he will receive a reward. If anyone's work is burnt up, he will suffer loss, though he himself will be saved, but only as through fire. Now, I need a volunteer. Ben. Uh, Katie, you might need to help him a bit, if that's all right. Katie's like, I'm not allowed to come. I just keep forgetting, I'm not allowed to go near people. Come, come up, Ben. Come up here. So I'm just going to get Ben, and with Katie's help, to build me a Jenga tower. You know, three across, Ben, and then three the other way, like that. You know how to build a Jenga tower? There's the blocks there. There'll be a beautiful Jenga tower on that table, and I'm going to carry on talking. Okay. Actually, the truth of those verses is what sets Christianity apart from the other religions. God, in His immense kindness, makes it really clear that we're saved by grace, it's a gift the gift of Jesus dying on the cross. And once we make that genuine choice to follow Jesus, we become a new creation and our eternal destiny is secure. You can't make it any more or less secure by your actions. That's actually the mind-blowing beauty of grace, isn't it? That God loves us and our eternal destiny is secure. However, God will test how you have built your house. I know Ben's building this house, so it'll be really good, because he's good at building. So as believers, we need to choose to submit to and allow God to build our lives. You know, submission's become such a dirty word recently. The mantra of our culture is, whatever you want to do, you do it. If it feels good, you do it. If it doesn't hurt anyone else, what does it matter? You do whatever you want. But actually, as believers, our mantra is not that. Our mantra is, whatever Jesus wants, whatever he says is the right thing to do, I will do that. We basically choose to lay down the control of our lives and submit it to our Lord and King Jesus. In Luke 9, Jesus says this, If anyone wants to come with me, he must deny himself, take up his cross daily and follow me. For whoever wants to save his life will lose it. But whoever loses his life because of me will save it. That's perfect, Ben. That's probably tall enough. I might um, cause an accident if it's a bit bigger. That's lovely. Thanks, Ben. Beautiful tower. So as Jesus says in this verse, we choose every day to submit our lives to the will of God. We pick up our cross and follow Jesus. You know, teenagers, this is really relevant for you. It's really hard being a teenager in school. The way that Christians live is totally different to the way that non-Christians live. You are different. You can't deny it if you're living for Jesus. But actually, every day, you need to make that choice that you are going to follow him and that you are going to be different. You're going to do what Jesus says is right, whatever the cost Essentially, we choose to live our lives and build our lives with our hearts set on our eternal home and the reward of heaven. We choose not to live for this world, but to live for Jesus and for his kingdom, to make those decisions that people say, why on earth are they giving their money to the church? What is wrong with them? That's completely crazy. They could have two holidays abroad for the cost of that and have no understanding of why you're doing it. Or people say, why are you marrying this person? You should sleep with them first and check they're okay and then marry them. That's the right way round to do it. No, as believers, we do what Jesus says is right. God hasn't just left us on our own to try and muddle through what's right, reading the scripture which is so helps us to know morally what is right and wrong and to know more about God. He has also given us the Holy Spirit who is God himself who comes to live inside of us, transforming us. We are sealed with the Holy Spirit when we, we are saved, but then we keep on being filled with the Holy Spirit every day, asking him to change us, to be more like Jesus, choosing to work with the Holy Spirit and what he's doing in our life and to say no to our sinful nature. So why do we choose to do this as believers? Why not just genuinely, I'm, not, I'm talking about a genuine conversion where you genuinely say, I'm going to follow Jesus, but actually the cost is great of saying, I'm going to live differently. Why don't we just carry on, have our Sunday routine, and make no difference the rest of our life? Maybe we'll stop swearing, but that's about it. Nothing else changes. Well, very simply, because Jesus said this, if you love me, you will do as I command. A sign of our salvation is that we choose to obey the one who has rescued and saved us. The real key reason in that verse is because of love. It's because we love God. We love the one who has saved us, who's rescued us, who's taken us from the kingdom of darkness and put us into the kingdom of light. We don't work hard to earn our salvation we don't believe that we will be out on scales at the end and you better hope your good works outweigh your bad works. No, we're saved by grace and all that we do is because we love the God who has caused grace, kindness, love, peace and hope to flood into our lives instead of us receiving what we deserve which is death and punishment. We recognise that the reason we can love God is because he has first loved us. You know, God is love. We are made in his image. That's why we love. And that's amazing truth, isn't it? That humankind is capable of love because God created us in his image. Because he loves us, we are able to love. We live like this because Jesus is worthy. He is wisdom He is perfect and he will build your house and your life so much better than we can build our lives. When we become a new creation, we recognise that sin only leads to death. The devil only comes to steal, kill and destroy. But following God and submitting our life to him and to his kingdom leads to life and life in all of its fullness. 1 John 2 verse 15 puts it very bluntly. It says you cannot love the world and when it's using the phrase world it's representing sinful humankind who are opposed to God and under the power of Satan or build with the world's standards or the things of the world if we love God. If we love God we choose to renounce the world and the ways of the world and let God build and change our lives. What happens is We change the building material of our life. We don't do this by shutting ourselves off from the world, by living on a pole in the desert like some of the monks did. It must have been so hot and boring. That's what I always think living on a pole, but never mind. Um, We're actually told to be in the world, but not of the world. We don't act like we're better than everyone else. Actually, part of our salvation process is we realise we are people who get things wrong. And so we have complete humility as we talk to people, realising it's only because of Jesus that we have been made a new creation. Essentially, we choose every day to live for the kingdom, to live for kingdom values, to live for kingdom ways, to live by God's standards and to every day remember what kingdom you are living for the kingdom that you are in, and the kingdom that your behaviour represents. As Simon preached in, this, in our 1 Corinthians series, you cannot have one foot in each kingdom. If you've accepted the gospel, then the love of God transforms every area of your life. Actually, the call as a believer is to be completely sold out for Jesus. We become slaves to Christ. We lay our life down. And we submit to what God says we do next. We don't always get it right. That's the beauty of grace and forgiveness, isn't it? But actually, we choose to live for the kingdom of God. So how can we know if we're allowing God to build our house? Well, Psalm 127 has the answer in the next bit. It says this, It is in vain that you rise up early and go late to rest, eating the bread of anxious toil, for he gives to his beloved sleep. Essentially, this is saying, are you anxious? Now, I just want to put a little caveat in that there is a difference between feeling anxious and having clinically diagnosed anxiety and anxiety conditions. But actually, some of the things I'm about to say are also helpful to add to your um, CBT treatments to think about these things as well, because the Bible helps us with all the things that are happening in our life but are you anxious do you spend your life trying to determine what the next part of your life will be like without depending on Jesus do you twist and turn things so they will go the way that you've decided your life will go basically it's saying what bread do you eat do you eat the bread of anxious toil which in my opinion is sourdough because it's gross where you fret thank you whoever said that you're very wise where you fret, where you're up in the night worrying about what will happen next, where you don't have enough money, what will happen, what's happening with the kids, what's going to happen with my family, what's going to happen here, what's going to happen there, what's going to happen when I die, I'm really anxious about dying, what will happen if I get coronavirus, where you're anxious all the time, or do you sustain yourself on the breads of life? In John 6 verse 35, Jesus says, I am the bread of Of life. Whoever feeds on me will never be hungry again. In Jeremiah 31, we're told that God will satisfy our weary souls and he'll replenish us. Psalm 127 verse 2, the verse we've just read, is actually saying, unless God is building your house, you can be up day and night, you can work your fingers to the bone. As a mother, you can lose sleep over concern over your children. You can try harder and harder to make sure your family life appears to be all together and put those perfect pictures on Facebook of the few moments where you're not killing each other. Or And you can make your house like House Beautiful, And you can make it seem like your children are always achieving. The new thing in parenting that we must always do, our children must always be achieving. If they're not achieving, then you failed as a parent. However, unless God is building your house and your family, all of that energy that you're pouring out is wasted. We sustain ourselves on the bread of life. It's a bit like this. If I fiddle with this Jenga tap, now it mustn't fall over because it ru- ruins the whole thing if it falls over, so don't fall over. If I uh, start removing some of these bricks, she says. Uh, oh, Ben, you built it really well. <laughs> the last one was a bit easier to take apart. Here we go. Um, if I take these out, oh, I might stop there because I'm a bit anxious. I'm going to make it fall out. Can I do that? No, that won't work. Uh, let's try that one. Okay, stay still. Naughty Tower. If I take that out, this house is still standing, but it's a bit wibbly wobbly. And that's what happens with our life. Unless we're building with the right size bricks and with the bricks in the right place, our life gets a bit wobbly. Essentially, when we stop working with the Holy Spirit, And just say, no, you can't have that area of my life. No, I won't stop that sinful behavior. No, I'm going to do what is wrong and then I'm going to say it's right. And it's okay because grace covers everything. Actually, when we stop working with the Holy Spirit, our life becomes a bit wobbly. It's not that you lose your salvation. You don't. The house is still there, but it can't hold any pressure or any weight. 2 Corinthians 9 verse 8 says this. God is able to make all grace abound to you so that having all sufficiency in all things at all times, you may abound in every good work. It's not that you don't work hard. You can never build a house without working hard. There's that battle all the time between our sinful nature, which is called the flesh in the Bible, and the Holy Spirit. And you work. You work with the Holy Spirit to allow that transformation in your lives. But actually, we have all grace abounding to us. We can be replenished and refreshed as we work for the kingdom and as we build our lives. Psalm 127 then goes on to talk about the fruit of life, which is babies, not just natural babies, but spiritual babies, those we disciple, see saved and nurtured in the ways of God, don't so don't switch off now if you don't have kids you are past the kids at home stage and don't mishear me if you've had the really painful trial of not being able to have natural children and feel what well, is this saying God hasn't rewarded me no it's not saying that at all actually if you've walked with Jesus in that trial he will reward you in heaven for the work that you've done on keeping your heart right before God in all the disappointment that that brings and in this life, you have the joy of seeing spiritual babies and influencing children in the church for God. So my second point is looking at this next bit of the psalm. And it's a really quick point. And it looks at how do we direct our arrows, our children, new believers, and people that we disciple in the right direction. It's no point having arrows and not being able to use a bow and just sending them all over the place. So as the following video demonstrates... If, is it going to work? Is it going to work? Oh, lovely. As the following video demonstrates, it's so good because the kids are in this one. My kids are in this one, so I get to embarrass them a bit more. Good, good. Um, we are still muddling through the chaos of parenting. I'll just let that do, What I just love about that video is the fact Beth just stands completely back from it. And then when it's all finished and the hard work's done, she just sits on top of them all. Like, yes, remember, firstborn, firstborn. And... Um, so we're not going I'm not going to talk about my personal perspective on parenting because honestly most days I really think it would be quite accurate to say observe what we are doing as parents and then do the absolute opposite and you'll be just spot on right. Um, don't get me wrong, our kids are brilliant, I'm so proud of them. They're all really, really different, they're all um, completely crazy just bonkers they're all dominant which really shouldn't come as a surprise that two dominant people have four dominant children but um God's in God's grace and it really is God's grace because um we're amazed by it they all love Jesus they all have a personal walk with him um my prayer and my confidence for the for all of our children is that they will grow up to love Jesus more and more and that they'll serve him with their life because actually then they will have life and life in all of its fullness which is what we want for our children isn't it we want our children to have life in all of its fullness the points I'm about to make also apply to discipleship so don't switch off if you're not a parent so how does the word of God tell us to direct our arrows in the right direction if you are a child you may stand on your chair with the health and safety assistance of your parents but you can tell the audience is earlier because is a uh as older because the kids before were like literally like, let me climb on my chair, let me climb on my chair, I want to climb on my chair. The older ones are like, oh it's so embarrassing, it's just so embarrassing, standing on the chair. Um, As this psalm tells us, children are a blessing from the Lord. We need to be thankful for our children. Children, we're so thankful for you in this church. We are so thankful that God has given us so many beautiful children in this church. Every time we hear someone is pregnant, it gives us so much joy because we know that children are a reward from the Lord and so we are so thankful for you. You may sit down now safely. Um, And actually in parenting there are times when you need to remind yourself children are a blessing from the Lord. You may love tidiness but children are a blessing from the Lord and we remind ourselves that all the time. When we see someone saved we celebrate because that is a new life and we are so grateful to God for all the new life he's given us in this church secondly this psalm reminds us that those arrows are in the hand of a warrior that's you if you're a parent we are supposed to be warriors which kingdom are you fighting for in your home your children see everything you do there is nothing you can hide from your kids if you think your kids don't know I can guarantee you they do. And they're telling their Sunday school teacher about it every week. I know. I know them all. <laughs> Actually, one time, quick story. I had um, someone, uh, he... <laughs> I was doing, like, little children. You know, they say anything, don't they? It's dreadful. And he, she was saying to me, she did this. She said, you know, if you do this, people come over and do what you want them to. I said, really? Who told you that? He said, oh, Dad did. He did this to Mum and said... I'm clicking at you. Come over here. And I said, And what did mummy do? She said, Well, it was very strange. She just looked at him and said, How dare you? and walked off. So when the parent came to collect this little toddler, I just went, "Uh, Could you just. um..." And he was like, No. I was like, Yes, yes. (laughs) Anyway, off the point. But we need to remember that actually, when we're living for the kingdom and we're being a warrior for the kingdom of Jesus, Our children need to see that in every day of our life, not just mum and dad go to church on a Sunday, rest of the week wouldn't even know that they love Jesus, can't tell at all. We need to live a life of no compromise. You cannot love God and enjoy a little bit of evil or worldly thinking here and there. A very relevant thing to this is when Jesus in Matthew 6 says, the eye is the lamp of the body. So if your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. That's so relevant to us in this time of so much media. What you watch, what you hear, and what you allow your children to read has a massive effect on what enters into their life. What you watch... What you read, what you hear, affects what enters your life and says to your children, this is okay. You cannot be saying, on one hand, we believe everyone is made equal, but we're made male and female. And that sex is for, within marriage, to be enjoyed and delighted in, within marriage and then snuggle up with your children and watch, I'm going to go really extreme, naked attractions, which is obviously wrong. Um, that doesn't work, does it? You can't watch a program that's promoting or glorifying promiscuity, treating each other badly, and your worth being directly linked to how you look and then say to them, but you must live by these standards. I would really gently and humbly suggest that those two ways of looking at life are not compatible with each other. Fourthly, be immersed in the word of God. It has everything you need to raise your kids, to decide what is right and wrong. As you're discipling people and people say, I'm doing this behaviour, what do you think? And you're thinking, I don't know, I don't know, what do I think? The word of God has what we need to decide what is right and wrong in our world, where everything is so morally mixed up. The word of God is what we need. We need to immerse our children in the word of God. His word is wisdom and light. We need to be full of the Holy Spirit. You know, you, as Simon said last week, the Holy Spirit is God. He lives inside of you. We have amazing power and wisdom living inside of us. And sixthly, as we're told in Philippians 4, verse 6 and 7, pray, 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 don't panic, pray. When you reach the end of your wits with your children, which in honesty happens to me at least once a day, I remind myself sometimes that I need to pray. God loves my children more than I do. He knitted them together in my my womb, He knows what they're like, and He knows the way to their heart. Ask God to intervene. Ask Him to get into their heart when you can't because they're not listening to you. Actually, God is able. I'm going to ask the band to come up now. Does everyone want to stand if you are able to? Do you want to stand? I think there's some people here who you've never given the control of your life to Jesus. You've never made that choice. But as I've been speaking, you've thought, I want to become a new creation. Actually, I know that I'm guilty before God and I want to get right before him. Actually, the Bible is really clear that if we confess with our mouths and we believe in our hearts, then we will be saved And then we choose to live our lives completely differently. Becoming a Christian will not make your life easier. In fact, some parts of life become more difficult as we choose to live differently from everybody else. But actually, Jesus gives us forgiveness and eternity with him and life and life in all of its fullness. I'm going to say a prayer now. If you want to give your life to Jesus, if you say this prayer in your heart, and then actually it's really good to tell someone that you've said that, Lord, I thank you so much that you bore my sins on the cross in your body. Thank you that because of you, I can die to sin and live to being right before you. I choose to live my life for you. I'm sorry for all that I've done that meant you had to go to the cross. I thank you that by your wounds, I have been healed. Amen. Believers, I'd really like to pray with us today that God would just help us to be people who are sold out and submitted to the will of God. I think as I've been talking, there's people here that you just know there's areas of your life that are not submitted to Jesus. It's time to give that area of your life to Jesus. The gospel changes us completely, not just part of us. It completely changes us. So shall I pray? And ask us to be filled with the holy spirit if you're comfortable too do you want to put your hands out in front of you children this is for you as well i know i've gone on and on you've done so well you're all so well behaved my kids would have been like up the curtain in the rum box pretty good let's um, just pray that we'll be filled with the holy spirit lord jesus we thank you so much that you paid the price for our wrongdoing on the cross We thank you that you make us a new creation, that the old has gone and the new has come. I pray for every person here, fill them with the Holy Spirit. Holy Spirit, we are so amazed that you would come and dwell inside of us, that you would keep coming and filling us with your love, your goodness, your kindness. I pray that we would be a group of believers who are completely sold out for the kingdom of Jesus who don't compromise in the way that we live, but who choose to be a people that please you. And we pray this in your name. Amen.